Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea. This is Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we have supplementary material for Child of the Sun. Lots of it. Yeah. More of it than the album. (laughs) Yes. And I think you didn't realize there was quite this much when we originally talked about doing this album. I think you thought Child of the Sun was going to be like a one-off. I think it was going to be just one episode. And then the more research I did, I realized there were remixes that I had never even heard before. And then a bunch of other material recorded around the same time period that I felt like, well, we're going to do an episode. This should be included. This should be included. And then you found us a couple things. Should we include this? Uh Yes, Christy. You're right. We should. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of took on a life of its own. At one point yesterday, I was sitting down and I was like, we have to cut it off. We can't cover anything else. This podcast has a life of its own. (laughs) It must be stopped. (laughs) The beast has achieved sentience. (laughs) No, we're... We're just, we're just a minion of Frankenstein. We're not hosting the podcast anymore. All right. So let's talk about what we are going to cover. All right. We're going to talk about a bunch of versions of If I Love You Tonight. I don't think a bunch is quite large enough of a word, but it will suffice. <laughs> we have a couple versions of Rhythm of Your Heart. Yes. A couple versions of Love's No Fun. We do. An alternate version of However Much You Want. Indeed. A couple versions of Ain't No Place Like You. Mm-hmm. Latino Barbie doll mm-hmm. and 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. What we're not going to cover. All right. Tell us what we're not going to do. We're not going to talk about the most beautiful boy in the world. No, it was technically the first single from this, but the single was not associated with an album when it was released. Right. The single included the album version. Yes. And a Spanish version, version, which we don't speak Spanish. So we're not going to talk about it. And the music was the same. Yes. It was just uh, overdubbed with Spanish lyrics. Right. Yeah. And House of Brick. So now that we've mentioned it. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it. That's that's as much talking about as we're going to do. Okay. Yeah. Then House of Brick, Brick House. It was a promotional single in Germany, but the way it was released, it didn't qualify for charts. And it was just the album version. Yeah. Nothing, so, nothing unique about it. Right. And okay. we've talked about it. Yep. And I'd like to send out a big thanks to friend of the pod, DJ Thunderfunk. His help was invaluable for this episode. Yes. This guy embodies the Prince fam community, I would say. I mean, you reach out and ask for help and he responds almost as fast as we can ask the question. Um, so really appreciate his input and assistance. Uh, it's been a big help, especially for this episode. Yes. There are a f- couple of videos. Right. The, and I didn't make you watch those. Yeah. You took this on yourself and I thought to myself, let her do it. <laughs> well, Prince isn't in them. Right. And I know you're not a huge fan of videos. It takes a really good video for me to really care. Right. And um, there aren't a lot of those. There are some good ones. I'm talking about in general, not just in the Prince community. Prince right. videos sometimes turn into like home videos, and I don't <laughs> like watching those either. Okay, okay. So, yeah. yeah. You took a look at the videos and uh, kind of took that as a homage for yourself, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to talk about those. Okay. So, you didn't have to watch them. I'll briefly touch on them, talk about them a little bit. Right. Well, like Prince would say in concert, I'm going to stand over here until you're done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we're going to start with... If I Love You Tonight, the single preceded the album by three weeks. It was released on November 6th, 1995. Some versions of the single included the radio edit and the rhythm of your heart, and some included remixes. It did reach 
number 67 on the Gallup singles chart in Mm -hmm. the UK for a single week on November 18th of 1995. And it also appeared on 1-800-NEW-FUNK. Right. A year earlier. Yes. I'm going to briefly talk about the video. All right. Go ahead. The floor is yours. (laughs) Thank you. So it kind of starts out, there's... Maite singing and dancing in a warm-toned video. Mm-hmm. She's looking lovely in her crop top sweater and a black bra and black see-through pants. Interspersed with video, the warm video of her doing that stuff is very cool blue-toned videos with a very blonde male who we assume is her love interest. They're in a car. They seem to be getting along. Then he kind of tries to put a move on her, and she gets out. Um, Then she's in a restaurant with friends, and this love interest walks in, and she gets up and walks out. Mm -hmm. And then she's in the bathroom back at her apartment where it had previously been warm tones, and now it's the cool tones again. And she's cutting her bangs, and she cuts her hand, and the only thing really in color is the blood on her hand. So then this... Love interest sneaks in through a window into the warm toned apartment. And we get the idea that because he's moved from the cool tones of the video to the warm tones of the video, that he indeed is there for her for more than just a night of fun. So it's kind of them coming together and it's fine. Okay. It's, you know, three and a half minutes of a video. Yeah. That's and fine. this was just the album version of right. the song. Right? Yes. That is being played underneath this storyline so shall we talk about the remixes okay okay there are several that were included on some versions of the single right the first one we're going to talk about is the little cash remix i think it's little cash oh, remix little cash yep. l-i-l apostrophe cash right. exactly. i don't know who little cash is i don't know do that's you? why i don't know how it got that name i do know that it was remixed by a group called the Bagheads. oh in okay. london um all these remixes were made in a london studio um, and they were credited on some versions of the CD release. So that's the way I know that. But why this was called Lil Cash, I do not know. Maybe they only got paid a little cash for it. Maybe that was the budget for these remixes <laughs> and they paid their bill cash. in full. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure. But like you said, this was part of the If I Love You Tonight single that was released on November 6, 1995. It starts off with these ominous strings and Maite repeating words from... The album version, I want to give you my love, but Mm -hmm. you've got to promise me that you'll love me forever, forever, forever. Reminded me of the narration on the sacrifice of Victor, or no, what was the video collection that we watched from the love symbol? Oh, the three chains of gold? Three chains of gold, that's what I'm thinking of. So her narration is there, and there's a lot of echo, echo. Uh-huh, and a very voice, youthful voice. sounding voice. Yes, well, she was young. She was young. Uh, but she but even sounded younger it, than she was. It's almost like she was even trying to sound a little bit younger and breathier. <laughs> Stop that, please. <laughs> So I'm normally not a fan of remixes of slow songs. It kind of seems a little silly to me. Sure. But this one has uh, an all-new beat, some scratching sounds that date it a little bit, running especially at the beginning of the song. 
there's also a new rhythm guitar part that's laid under Maite's vocals throughout the entire thing. And I know we've mentioned this on several remixes from this era that we are um, perpetually in, it seems like, but... I almost wanted to call this on the cool out tip if I <laughs> if I love you tonight okay. remix. It's very urban sounding. Yes. But I thought it works pretty well with the song. I was surprised that how much I thought this kind of worked. Yeah. Aside from the sort of cheesy spoken intro stuff. Yeah. I liked the addition of the little zippy wood instrument. It reminded me yeah. of like grade school yes, music. music class. <laughs> yes. I looked up what the instrument was called just because I was curious. It's called a gyro. Oh, like a sandwich? Sort of, but no. But no. No. Oh, I didn't know it was called that because yeah. I clearly remember playing that too when yes. you start to learn yeah, how you to like, keep time and that yeah, kind of stuff. exactly. It's like, you know, it's a little like yep. beat. It's a nice way to do a beat and mm-hmm. it's easy for kids to do and it's kind of a neat sounding instrument. It's got a very unique sound and I had no idea what it was called. Okay. I did not, I didn't even think to look up what it was called. Mm-hmm. It was just that little wooden Giro. ribby thing that you scrape with your stick yeah. when you're little. G-U-I-R-O. All right. You know, I thought for slow songs, the more instrumental stuff and musical stuff that's happening with Maite's voice, the better. It's not that she's a bad singer, but stripped down ballads, which is sort of what this is on her album, not quite as much as Love's No Fun. But when there's less music happening, I feel like it reveals her vocal limitations more to me. Um, So filling it a little bit with the stuff happening in this remix and a heavier beat supports her really well yeah i'm trying to not be ugly in the way i say that i hope it didn't come yeah. off ugly yeah but well because I'm just it's saying not... this is what plays to her strengths and right. this remix does that yeah i agree it's um this one's exactly five minutes long too and i would say if it was any longer it'd be a little too much but at five minutes i've kind of had my fill I feel like they added something to the original, which is always what I ask with remixes. You know, are they trying something different? Does it is it a different take on the song? What what what's the reason for this? And I felt like there's enough going on different that there's you know a good reason for having this one around. Sure, and I did enjoy it. And sure. at some points, I kind of felt like I preferred this one to the album version. Really? Yep. Oh, okay. That's just me. Then we have the displacement mix. Right. So I looked this one up too because I was wondering, well, who did these remixes? And there was nothing on Prince Vault that gave any indication as to who did these, but it was remixed by Endemic Void oh. in the London studio. Okay. And the rap is by a rapper named MC Khan, K A N N. Okay. He says his name in the rap at the very beginning. Oh, I didn't know but if you don't know that it's his name, you don't realize that that's what he's singing because of the way he's delivering it. So Okay, that anyway. was going to be one of my questions was who did that? Yeah. That's a little short, like 30 second Yeah, super rap. short rap. So there's, I don't know, not a lot of reason to like it or dislike it or have a problem with it because it's just a small part of the song. This is definitely, I would think, displacement is a good description for the type of drum drum programming here that's kind of frantic, even though it's a ballad. It's got this, like, quadruple beat going on. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It was a really interesting musical take on a slower ballad-type song to give it this 
frantic drumbeat. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. It, again, I'm like, well, if we're going to critique remixes on, you know, are they original? Do they add something to the to the album version? Then this one definitely does that. And yeah, I would say frantic drum programming is a good way to describe it. And um, that's probably where displacement comes from. It uses the same vocal track from the album version and just has this different beat underneath. And then the addition of MC Khan's rap. Yeah, about four minutes and 22 seconds. I tried to look up the lyrics to completely get what he's singing, what he's rapping. Couldn't find it anywhere. Although he starts off with it kind of builds into his rap and he says, con with the lyrical flavor, lyrical madness. And then it goes on for about 30 seconds. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, this isn't bad. I'm not sure how it fits in with If I Love You Tonight. It doesn't really deliver the message of the song or promising to love someone. It's more about this MC's lyrical madness and crazy flavor and how he's great. Maybe he wants you to love him tonight. Could be. I don't know where he is now or how he was selected to do this. All mysteries to me. Yeah. Um, So after, you know, I mentioned about, uh, you know, the instrumental musical background that kind of helps lift and complements Monte's voice. There's a part at like five minutes and 11 seconds right after the rap where the chorus starts again and she sings in a drawn out voice. If I love you tonight mm-hmm. and it's, it draws out a little bit and it just sounds a little off key to me. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Should have ended a little sooner. Not feeling it dog. So like you said, this is certainly a different take. We've got a rap mixed in with it, but how it all fits into the theme of this song, the message of the song, I'm not really sure. Okay. Well, that's fair, but it's there. It's Mm -hmm. something to listen to. It is something to listen to. You're right. (laughs) Well put. On that effusive I don't know. Is that a backhanded compliment or a forward slapping critique? I don't know. I don't have a problem with either of these two remixes. me either. Again, I'm just a little confused by it all. It was something different. Yeah. It was different than the album version. It brought something to it, whether that something was effective or or not. Then we move on to the third of the three remixes. Another one remixed by Bagheads in London called Tweakin' Dub. So I guess you could probably, if you know the remix culture, Tweakin' usually is a kind of remix that doesn't have song lyrics, and that is the case here. So there's no singing, no uh, lyric track from the album version present, but there are tons of samples of your choice of moans, yeah, whispers, just like that's, oh yeah, babies. From Maite. And at 7 minutes and 14 seconds, it's the longest of the three mixes. And I would say probably the least remarkable. Just a somewhat expected beat and sense. It is a very context-driven song. Yeah. This needs to be in a club. Yep. Period. Yeah. You just need some mindless beats and that's about it. Yes. Uh, I've got two moments that I can point out in this remix that I thought were remarkable. Okay. Let's remark upon them. I don't know if they're remarkable, but I, but I made marks about them. At about two minutes and 50 seconds, there's a very cool bass line that I did not expect to hear in this type of remix. And I don't know if it's a sample or something recorded new for this track, but I thought it was great. You can hear it really well from about three minutes and six seconds to three minutes and 22 seconds. 
while Maite whispers sweet Spanish things in your ear underneath that. There's this bass line that was a little unexpected and kind of an electronic groove like this. And then secondly, and this is one I thought you might like, mm-hmm. um, and maybe you have it in your notes, at three minutes and 40 seconds, there's a piano loop that starts. And again, it's hard for me to tell or know or figure out if it's newly recorded for this mix or sampled from somewhere else, but it kicks in and it's interesting, even though it's a little repetitive and it does go on for a while, it is kind of a neat piano thing that I think also dates it as a early mid nineties remix type thing. Yes. It sounds like club music from the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what it is. The entire last minute of the song is extremely repetitive, repetitive musically uh, with more. Yeah. And Oh babies. And by the time this thing is done, I'm done hearing the whispers. (laughs) Just, it goes on forever. I didn't like it. It was like, it was like you and mouth noises. Like, I you guess, were done with the I whispering. guess when you whisper, it is a mouth noise, technically. <laughs> but well, everything's a mouth noise, technically. Yeah, but I mean, it's the we made the same comment as on when we reviewed the album version of this when it ends and we have that yeah right there mm-hmm, kind of yeah, thing. It's a little it's pornographic, just over the top, and not really necessary for a song that's you know already this yearning kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems a little a little overdone. Yeah. Superfluous is the word I was thinking of. Yeah. So this was the If I Love You Tonight superfluous mix by the Bagheads. <laughs> okay. Then we have the version done by the Rebels, yeah, which so- is unreleased and probably the oldest known version. Oh, yeah. From 1979, this whole project of the Rebels was this band that Prince was not a lead singer in, but he assembled it and just acted as a player after he recorded his self-titled album in 1979. This was what he was up to, but never saw the light of day. You listen to the Rebels version, and boy, does it sound like it could have been on the Prince LP or Dirty Mind or even sounds like a distant relative to Doomy Baby from controversy with this piano stuff that's going on. Prince does not sing. It's Gail Chapman who's singing right. lead voice. And this has turned into much more of a bluesy song. It's this, a little sad and sappy and very late 1970s, easy listening sounding yes. to me. Yeah, very much, which is what you'll hear a little bit of on the Prince LP when we get to it. Um, but I really think that that live piano throughout it gives it kind of a more bluesy feel and yeah. more, even more yearning that it's than its modern version. At three minutes and seven seconds into the song, the music and the lyrics are much more unique from the modern versions that we covered here with Gail Chapman singing, All I Want From You Is Your Love, It's What I Really Need, It's All I've Ever Been Dreaming Of. Love to have heard some of this version retained for the modern ones. I yeah, think they're some somewhere of them are in really between. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in between the super early version from '79 and Maite's version in the mid '90s. There's a great song there. I don't know if any of Maite's versions or the Rebels version hits it. Maybe we'll see if Mika Paris or Prince's own version can hit that mark. That's totally fair. Really liked at the end there. I wait for the sound of your voice every day, every minute of my life. I thought that was really sweet. Yep. I wait for the sound of 
And I too miss that in the modern version. There were some interesting lyrical differences. The second verse was completely different. I know you got the cure, but baby, I'm so unsure. Maybe you're just the same. You just need a friend to help you make it through the rain. I thought it was interesting that the released version in the rebels version, I know you got the cure and in the released version, if you want a lover, I'm the remedy. So we kind of changed it from you're the cure to I'm the cure. Yes. Which I thought was yep. interesting. Yes, I totally agree. It kind of turned the perspective of the song around a little bit. Um, and who knows what the reasons for that were between the, whatever it was, 16 years between the all these recordings that happened. All right, shall we move on to the Mika Paris version? Sure. I was reading an interview with Mika Paris from 2015. So this was before Prince's passing for a British documentary that was released. And she was part of it and talked a little bit how about how she met Prince, which was she'd always been a fan and was at a concert in London. And he recognized her in the crowd and really? passed a microphone to her to, to sing. And that's how their collaborations started working. So that was kind of a neat story. I know you're planning on posting a link to that interview yeah. on social media. Which, which speaking of social media, go ahead. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T M A T S podcast. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast, or you can send me an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com. So Mika Paris's version, she's a British soul singer, still active today. Um, had already had some success before her involvement with Prince uh, with a song that she recorded in 1988. So her version was on her 1990 album, Contribution. Um, so we can talk a little bit about this. It starts off, I would not have known this, but reading on PrinceVault.com, starts off with a slowed down sample of a song called Halo, which is by Depeche Mode. Yes, from Violator. Yes. Are you familiar with the song? As soon not. as I read that, I was like, oh, it absolutely oh. is that song. I've never listened to a ton of Depeche Mode, so I would not have recognized it. So... Listening to both songs, I went back and listened to the Depeche Mode song, and I can certainly hear it in there now. However, had I not read that, and before I had read that, actually, and when I listened to Mika Paris's version, the very beginning of it, I thought it was identical to In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Really? You've got to go back and listen to the beginning of that song. in the beginning of the Mika Parra song, and it sounds like she's about to cover In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Like at the 11-second mark when the drums kind of kick in on her version. I didn't make that connection. I'll have to go back and listen to it. All right. But um, like you said, Mika's version is the first released version of the song in 1990. And she has a very Sade sound to her voice. I went back and after I listened to this, I was like, man, she sounds like Sade. So I went back and listened to Smooth Operator and The Sweetest Taboo by Sade and... Mika's voice is very, very smooth sounding and full of soul, just like... Well, uh, it makes Shade. a lot of sense then that Prince mm-hmm. was familiar with her music because he yep. was a big Sade fan. Yeah, well, the, and Mika even says 
in the interview that she did, she says that Prince is a fan of voices and mm. that's what drew him to her. And that she, he even told her at one point that she was a baby Shaka Khan. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Very good description. Yeah, I think this is um, probably my favorite non-Prince version of the song that we're covering. Okay. Um, but I can't decide if I wish the song went in different directions or if it's a great song because it kind of stays the course and is fairly simple throughout oh, yeah. the entire song. I don't know. I haven't decided that just yet, which is um, probably unfortunate since we're recording this podcast now. It almost takes a full minute to fade out at the end, too. Oh, which is, really? Yeah, mm. I thought it's a little it's a little lengthy. I'm sure there was a radio edit that was shorter than this, but right. it takes its time finishing and fading out, which um, kind of bugged me a little bit. But I even listened to most of this album again. And, oh, really? Um, it's actually quite good and stands the test of time. It does not, to me, sound super dated. Obviously, it sounds like it's recorded not yesterday, um, but it doesn't have like a typical 1990 sound to the album. It's very soulful. A lot of live instruments and that kind of stuff that kind of make it a little bit of a timeless album. And her version, almost kind of a timeless version of the song, I think, too. Right. So it's definitely worth revisiting. I thought hers was a little less mournful, too. Yeah. It was yeah. a little more, like, upbeat, a little mm-hmm. more self-assured, which uh-huh. I appreciated. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can appreciate that perspective. Yes, I can. There were some remixes of this song. Oh, As you Mika mentioned, Paris's this was version? on yes, you mentioned this was on her album uh Contribution, which yep. came out in the UK in October of nineteen ninety. Yeah. Which came out in October of nineteen ninety. And then it came out in the US on March thirtieth, nineteen ninety one, the same day as Times Squared by Eric Leeds. Oh, I didn't know that. Incidentally. Nice. There were remixes by DJ Nellie Hooper and they're actually quite good but because Prince didn't have anything to do with those he didn't Mika Paris re-recorded this entirely on her own with her own musicians right we didn't review those for this episode okay and there was a promotional video for this song I cannot find a link to it anywhere it is on Apple Music but Uh not available in the United States yeah so yeah. I wasn't able to see more than a snippet of it. Yeah. There was a link to the video, too, in the interview that I read online with Mika Paris from nineteen ninety or 2015. And that link is expired also. Yeah. So it may be lost to the ether. Yeah. Well, not entirely. If mm. you're on the United States, you might be able to see it. All right. If I Love You Tonight, Prince's version. Yeah, this one has a neat... You know, history as far as Prince's versions of songs he gave to others, which this would have been a great inclusion on originals also. I think it wasn't popular enough. There are a lot of songs on there that were not popular enough. I mean, you can't tell me that Makeup is some giant hit. This was a top 40 song. But the story behind this one is that an early 12-inch release of the Mika Paris single accidentally included (laughs) Prince's vocal version, which I have no idea how that mistake gets made. Okay, I'm going to do this accidentally in air quotes. Maybe maybe it wasn't an accident. uh, Well, it was was somebody told somebody else it was an accident. (sighs) They said that while they covered their own rear end. Yes. Um, So it was uncredited or unlisted, I guess, on the 12-inch vinyl, Um, but it is Prince on all instruments, and most notably 
bass throughout this that's in the right channel in your ear. If you it's listen, it's very headphones. very prominent. It's a super cool bass line, and that's really it's one of the most bass driven songs by Prince that I could put on a list, probably top ten lists of Prince playing bass that's kind of featured as almost like a rhythm guitar in the song. It's the bass that's featured in the song. It's just really cool to hear where Prince was musically in 1987 because this is one of the first recordings he did at the newly constructed Paisley Park. And Prince, of course, sings lead and backup on all of these. It's kind of got a little bit of a graffiti bridge album sound to it, which Mm -hmm. he was also recording music for... That movie in 1987, it just didn't get around to (laughs) making it until 1990 because of other things like Batman and a Love Sexy World Tour and all that kind of stuff. The part I wanted to point out about his lyrics where um, instead of throughout the song, I think it's always in the other versions of the the song, the lyrics are always promise me that you'll stay with me. On Prince's version, it starts with swear to me. That you'll stay with me forever. That's a holdover from the Rebels. Yeah, from the original, original Gail Chapman version. Yes. And then at around three minutes and 30 seconds, there's a spoken part that talks about the remedy versus the cure, like you mentioned, where right. he says, Oh, yeah, baby, I'm the remedy. Remedy. Tell me, baby. is not in any of the other versions of of this song which is it's great it's a nice hidden gem and i mean it's almost like well is this a bootleg is it not i mean it was released as an official thing it was sort of mistaken but it's one of those things that you've got to hunt down and you know you'll find it on bootleg collections even though it was officially released right it's kind of a neat story there was a cool ooh at about 45 seconds Uh and the ladies all did it yeah, and but, they all did a good job, but Princess nah. is better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's why, I mean, if I had to rank the many versions of the song that we've covered here, um, I think, no surprise, I think Princess version is by far superior. I think that I probably got a tie between the Gail Chapman version and the Mika Paris version. Okay. Which are unique in their own rights, but still are just a little more soulful and you know more live instruments and that kind of thing. And then the Maite's album version versus the Lil Cash remix would probably come in next. And then we've got the displacement thing and the tweaking thing that kind of bring <laughs> up the rear of the train for me. The only thing, other thing that I wanted to mention specifically about this version of the song is that in some parts there's like a choir of princes yes. singing and it's just, it's, it's well worth hunting this down because yes. it's really cool. It's kind of like love that will be done. There's, you know, parts of Prince's version where he just layers and layers and layers his own vocals on top of one another. Yeah. This um, kind of felt like a prelude to that. Yes. This was like a, an early sketch of that technique yeah. that he perfected. I mean, he had it perfected by, by now anyway, but Uh, by the time he recorded this in 1987, but um, made it even better later on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a cool All right, 
let's move on to the rhythm of your heart. All right. While it seemed that CDs of this were going to be distributed to radio stations, probably in Spain in 1998, the song only eventually got released on My Taste website in October of 2007. And this limited release made it ineligible for the charts. And the single included In Your Gracious Name album version as the B-side. Right. There is a video for this. Yes. You told me there was one. Actually, pretty decent as far as videos go. Okay. Um, it was directed by Maite uh-huh. and uh, filmed according to the video that's available on YouTube that's linked to from her website. Uh-huh. It was filmed March 2nd of 1998. Oh, okay. So it was long after the album came out. Yes. Of course, they may have been redoing it for, what is it, Scorpion? Scorpio. That yeah. Scorpio that was supposed to include some tracks from Child of the Sun and then some other new things. Confusing. Yes. So it's my mostly Maite and a dance crew. They're dancing on the stage. It's very well choreographed and interesting. Um, and that's interspersed with a casting for these dancers. Oh, Okay. So there's like a dude who sees Maite driving to this casting in her Mercedes on the street. And then he follows her to where she is, sees all these people in line, tries to go into the casting and they won't let him in. Um, As some people are let go from the audition, he sneaks in the door and convinces Maite and the other person at the table where people are checking in that he should be given the opportunity to dance. And so he dances right there in front of them, even though that's not exactly where they're doing the auditions. And of course he does a great job and it's very fun. It's just that interspersed with the dancing. So it's kind of fun. That's cool. I mean, that kind of follows the lyrics here. of, You know, believe in yourself and keep trying. Makes sense. Yes. So the remix itself that was released finally in 2007, I guess that Maite got permission from Prince or convinced him to allow her to do this after seeing him in Las Vegas at a 3121 residential concert. It's very tribal sounding at the beginning. You know, has the A-O-H. Yeah, I think they're saying keep on, maybe. Oh, I could not. Maybe. Maybe. I could not tell. So there's that, and then a little bit of the go, go. That Yeah, the big uh, club chance. <laughs> yes, at the beginning. <laughs> kind of interesting that they mix in the chorus there at the beginning with every other line dropped out. So they sing, shine like the sun. Like sun. Seen like an angel. Try to stay happy. The rhythm of your heart is saying. And they don't say keep on. So they drop out, dance like the rain, no, no shame on the darkest day and keep on in the remix. That's why I think that the chanting at the beginning is keep on. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, You can certainly hear Prince singing throughout this entire song, just like you can on the album version. Right. The fun part about this one to me is that Prince's rap from the unedited album version that was not released is also included in this one, which is cool. And he does it in a, I don't know, kind of a very deep, gravelly kind of voice. Um, One of his many studio voices. Yes. Uh, 
And I tried to transcribe the rap hmm. because I could not find it. No, I couldn't anywhere. either. Do you want? I, I haven't I seen also, your notes. I also transcribed it. Okay, let's go line by line and compare. Okay. See what us white people think Prince is saying here. What is the rhythm of your heart if you don't listen to it? I agree. Okay. What is the rhythm of your heart if you don't listen to it? Uh-huh. Only a threat, not a par from a hook, doing it over your bed while they get it from the no phone call. I have slightly different. <laughs> okay. I have only a threat, not a part from a hook doing it over your bed while they get it from a no phone call, which I don't understand. No, me either. Uh, you know, a hook is a part of a song. Right. But whether it's... Part makes oh. more sense than par. I'm like, yeah. oh, there's oh. golf in here. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> Prince was very athletic, but um, not, seeing not him with on uh, the links is not something that um, <laughs> I've ever seen before. Yeah. So from a no phone call, continue... That's all you do, whatever we say. Yep. Sometimes leaving the past behind is the only way to get the funk out of your face. Okay. I just have like a your instead of the. So, okay. So he says, that's, that's all you do, whatever we say. Sometimes leaving your past behind is the only way to get the funk out your face. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you rather have a place to P-A-R-T-Y, a party in the place? Okay. My transcription is, and when you'd rather have a P-A-R-T-Y, party oh. in the place. Okay. And then he goes into that party chant that is in the album version, which is sort of like out of 19, place. Yeah, yes. it's kind of 1999 It is very 1999-ish, but the whole party chant makes a whole lot more sense when it's preceded by this rap and yes. you're kind of led into it. Uh, you know, instead of all of a sudden you've got this thing that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yes. Where did this come from? thought at four minutes and eight seconds, there's another Miami sound machine sounding breakdown with you know pianos and this latin kind of feel mm-hmm. um certainly fits the the sound and the feel of the remix and you know maite's background also i thought it was pretty well done yeah i like where prince is careful about where he sings some of the parts are where his vocals are included in some of these parts okay. when the world misunderstands you uh-huh Like, well, here, here he is Yes, in the, as, with this name change. Mm-hmm. Nobody really understands it. Nobody gets it. Yeah. I think that was intentional. Yes. And don't give up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of this song I think we talked about on the previous episode where we covered the album version was a direct reference to the name change. Yes. And, uh, he had to listen to his heart to be yes. able to do that. Yep. So I thought, um, you know, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by the remix. I didn't have, you know, especially after the you know tweaking mix of if i love you tonight i was like oh here's another remix of one of these songs what are we going to get i had not heard this version before or if i had it was a very very long time ago and overall i thought it was good yeah i did too i thought it was interesting yeah then we have the extended version of the rhythm of your heart right which is kind of like a combination between the album version and the remix version where it sounds more like the album version but it's got the prince rap in it yeah i think what this really is is the full 
yeah. version of the song that was edited down for the album and then maybe referenced when they remixed it for that single release. Right. The album version is three minutes and 17 seconds, and the this version, which we're calling extended or unedited, is five minutes and 38 seconds. So This one should have been on the album. Totally agree. And the album version should have been the radio edit. Correct. And they could have left off the Spanish version of If I Love You Tonight or... I think there's a couple things I could think that they could have left off the album and included this instead to make the album stronger. Fair. The thing that this version lacks is the heartbeat sounds from the yeah. album version at the beginning oh, and yeah. the end oh, yeah. are not there. So they must have gone back, edited this down, and then added those sound effects, which I think work and, of course, go with the rhythm of your heart. Right. But otherwise, it's very similar to the album version all the way through the bridge, which is maybe one day I'll be one of the famous Mm-hmm. Um, where the album version goes into those party chants behind the chorus, the unedited version or extended version that we're talking about here goes into another chorus followed by Prince's rap at like two minutes and 50 seconds. And that's where these two versions diverge and take different paths. Yes. I also thought it was neat at three minutes and 30 seconds. There's the chorus that's just Prince singing the chorus and Maite's delivering her Spanish lines over Prince singing the chorus that's not the same as the album version. Either. Right. It's and pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was very cool. There's also a little instrumental part from, from like four minutes and two seconds to four minutes and 17 seconds um, that's not in the album version and has Maite singing, listen to the rhythm mm-hmm. over the top of it. Yeah. Which is actually kind of a nice little part of the song yeah. that I thought was, should have been on the, on the album version. Agreed. And my last note from four minutes and 37 seconds to four minutes and 50 seconds, there's a synth or a keyboard part that's unique to this version that's not anywhere on the album version, just a little musical part that's yeah. totally different. Totally should have been there. Totally really should have been on the yeah. album. Kind of a missed opportunity, I think. And the way the song ends, it ends with kind of a breakdown, fade out, instead of on the album version, which, which ends with that heartbeat sound effect that kind of beats and echoes until it ends. I was with you. I was curious why this was edited down for the album, where you've got an album that's 53 minutes long, and as we covered in the last episode, there's a lot of repeat material on this album, including the Spanish version of If I Love You Tonight, Right. where this full version is a lot stronger, in my opinion, and you could have lopped off a song and made this almost what's a centerpiece two, to the album. Two Another two minutes. minutes. Yes, 55 what's two, minutes. 55 instead. minutes instead of 53? Come yeah, on, man. I don't know. Maybe they talked about, you know, they did, wanted to feature Prince less on the album and give Maite more of a spotlight, so they removed his rap, but it could have... It was subtraction by subtraction, (laughs) not the opposite. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break and then we'll be back with Love Snow Fun. Have you ever wondered what two Aussie dads, really inappropriate ones, would tell you if you asked them questions like, what if my kids catch me having special cuddles? Awkward turtle. Or is it okay to hide in the toilet and play games on my phone? Well, it better be. Maybe you want to hear our unique reviews of movies, beers, video games, etc. How about some cheeseburger spring rolls? Uh, sure. Uh, if some or any of that tickles your fancy, then check out the Dad Zone on the Forge Audio Network. What's that? What do you do? 
All right. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Now we have Love is No Fun by Elisa Fiorillo. Yes. So this was the first release of this song, much like If I Love You Tonight, it was released in 1990 by another female artist, which is... I don't know. It's I don't just, know. Why can't you? You've written these songs. I, I mean, you can't come up with enough girl songs. You wrote a whole album for your alter ego, Camille. Yes. I don't know what drove them to reach back into not even historical. This was These were like songs that were four or five years old um, and already released. So I don't know what made them want to pull these forward and have Maite do her versions of them. But anyway, it's from the album I Am from 1990. Interestingly, Michael Bland on drums. So this is before Michael B. played on any album for Prince. Uh, He played on this and also featured David Z. on percussion. And that's David Z. Rivkin, who's the brother of of Bobby Bobby Z. Z. on percussion. And Sonny T on bass, which is the first time I can think of seeing Sonny T playing bass on a studio recording from Prince or with Prince. And Prince was on all other instruments. So this was recorded in late 1989, early 1990, which is right when Michael B. joined Prince's camp, which was around the Batman period. Right. And into the nude tour in Graffiti Bridge in 1990. Sonny T, I did not realize, was part of the band that earlier had recorded with it so early. I thought he joined around 1991 with Diamonds and Pearls, but um, also features the Steels on background vocals. Oh, okay. um, Which I did not know either. So this, you know, going back and listening to this, I had the CD. I bought it when it first came out because I heard that Prince had involvement with it. He's got involvement on half the songs on the on the album. And the first thing I thought when the song started playing was just how much better the song sounds with drums. <laughs> yes. Than stripped down into something, trying to be nothing compares to you. Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't a strong enough vocal performance to be a nothing compares to you. It's not, as and good it's of a also song it's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a little too. The things I didn't like about this version of the song were the things that I didn't like about the other version of the song, and it's huh. primarily lyrics. Yes, I you know it's very high school over dramatic. Uh-huh. Those are the things that I thought her vocal performance was really good. There's some little keyboards in the middle that are, I thought, really nice. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the song. Yeah, I agree. It made me think that this almost sounds like a ballad that should have been on an early album by the time when they're singing about high school and, you know, they were still living through that experience. And these are mature adults at this point and it just let's move on from high school yeah i i don't know it just sounds like a has you know have you not had life experiences that are more important than this too maybe they were just trying to be relatable to young people but or even being nostalgic about young love but yeah it comes off as kind of cheesy and a little kind of like you want to say get over yourself (laughs) and that's not to either of the singers it's just the, the lyrics it sounds like Something that Britney Spears could sing when she was, oops, I did it again. Yes. When she was like literally high school age still. Exactly. Yes. Or like a Tevin Campbell could have sung this in 1990 and it makes sense. I might have rather heard Tevin Campbell sing this song than. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, Tevin had, you know, a high enough voice at that point where he could have done it. So my takeaways are the song sounds better with drums, but I don't think it's great. Right. Either way, you know, on Maite's album version, it's stripped down to just strings and her voice and it takes on like this gravitas that's yeah. unnecessary and I don't know. It's Not like, earned. Yes. And somehow drums add a little bit of a lighter emotional feel that make it seem like, okay, well, you're singing this. It's this little snippet in time from your memory that this happened. And then just the fact that Elisa, I think, is a more fine-tuned vocal performer. Yes. Um, and like from three minutes and 10 seconds to three minutes and 15 seconds, she hits some super, super, super high notes in here that aren't in Maite's version um, that make hers a little bit stronger, Sure, if you ask me. And we have an alternate version that has Maite's vocals and more drums or drums, period drums. Yeah, I was trying to decide if this uh, alternate version that's unreleased is musically the same as Elisa Fiorillo's version and just with Maite's vocals overdubbed. Oh. I couldn't really determine if it was that if that was completely true listening to them back to back, but they are really, really similar. Right. It almost sounds like the same song, and her voice and Elisa's voice are very similar in most of this thing. So I don't know. If I was Elisa, I'd be like, why are you re- uh-huh. re- re- just doing the same thing? I mean, it was not a cover. It was almost like karaoke Fair. cover. Yeah. You know, yeah. not, not bad karaoke. But, no, no. But just like, we're going to do this exactly the same way, <laughs> just with a different person. Yeah. Uh, which confuses me a little bit. Mm. Well, choices were made. They were made. And I think having the steels back up your vocals certainly helps. You know, I've read that that's usually the way it goes, is that you have background vocalists that are superior singers <laughs> supporting the lead vocalists. And I think that's the case here, too. Mm-hmm. Um and all these versions that we've listened to, the album version of on Child of the Sun, the version on I Am, and this alternate unreleased version of Maite's with drums are all almost identical in length. Oh. Um, hmm. So it's like literally the same song with, I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess they probably dropped the drums out to give it some kind of unique flavor and make it less identical right. to what had previously hmm. been done. Well, if this is your favorite song, I'm so glad for you, listener, that this oh, you like yeah. this song. I don't know. You're saying this looking at me like, um, no, it's, it's, it's no, not. I know it's not your favorite. <laughs> but yes, if, if it's someone's favorite song. If it speaks to you, I'm so glad. It just doesn't speak to me the same way. I'm with you. All right. I'm with then you. we have a however much you want alternate version. This was, it's shorter and it's mm-hmm. likely intended to be the version that was going to be included on If I Love You Tonight. Single, yes, at one point. You're right, you're right. Or I thought this might have been the version that was at one time considered for the Love Symbol album, too, which we know it was considered for, but but either one. Yeah, it surprises me that it's shorter, because when I listen to them, I feel like this one is longer, (laughs) and it's not. Um, Okay. It starts off differently. It does not have that um, backmasking at the beginning that was on Maite's album. You know, when Prince did this on Darling Nikki and other songs, it's sort of buried in this little secret on this song. It's just like... It's Here's obvious. this part that we talked about. It's and... so obvious that, I don't know, some of the fun is taken out of it because it's so obvious. It's not really that secret or an Easter egg, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like putting 
the Easter egg in the middle of the living room for your child to find. <laughs> it's still an Easter egg, but it's you uh-huh. know, some of the fun's taken away. <laughs> yeah, because it's <laughs> you just could, right out there in yeah, the open. If you might step on it before you pick it up and put it in your basket, I don't know <laughs> if that's quite as fun. I thought that um, this version has ad- additional instrumentation that make it sound much more full than the version on Maite's album. Maite's okay. album seems a little more stripped down than this one. Okay. And also Prince's vocals are much more featured in this version yes. than they are on the album version. Yeah. And he's very, some of them are very screamy. Yes. And boy, Extremely. it's fun. It is. I don't know. It's, this is, it's a fun song. This version to me is more fun. It seems a little faster, a little more up-tempo. And again, at like 22 seconds and throughout the song, you can hear that little scratch and moan that you can hear throughout the Cream Maxi single, which I know I've referred to like 40 times in the last couple <laughs> podcasts. There's a high-pitched keyboard part throughout the background of the chorus that's not part of the album version and just makes the song seem more full and more high-tempo to me. And I think we mentioned this on the last episode where we covered Child of the Sun, the album. At a minute and 17 seconds, you can hear a little guitar sitar part that's that's identical to seven, except for the last two notes are dropped off. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of fun. Once I realized that, I thought, oh, no wonder this was this was part of that the, the recording era. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For um, sure. Like you said, there are there are more Prince vocal improvs in this version that always fascinate me, just little things that are his hallmarks, like at a minute and 27 seconds after uh, they sing, what is life if you can't find a way to make it longer? He sings, ah, yes, in the background real high. Mm-hmm. That's just this little sprinkling of his vocals and he says tell me after they sing how many times will you get burned before you start the fire he's kind of got this vocal response that's a little buried then like you said he screams the last chorus (laughs) at two minutes and 41 seconds that is super fun a little like now Yes. Parts of now where he's sing screaming. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I think it might be. Like you said, it's almost a full minute shorter than the four minute, 33 second album version, but I think it's a better take on the song. Yeah. I wish it was as long as the album version. Yeah. I wish it were yeah. a little longer, a little yep. more of it. Yeah. Then we have. Prince's version of Ain't No Place Like You. Ooh, look out from the very beginning of this one. He basically starts it with a guitar solo, which he's done in the past, but this thing is fierce from the first note. Yes, super frantic. Firm, raw drums. Yep. It's it's really impressive. Yeah, this could have been on a Prince album for sure, although the lyrics and the way he sings it makes it clear that it was always meant for a woman to sing. Yes. So I was thinking about that. You know, we covered originals. Yep. And yes. we called it, uh, what did you call it? Uh, uh, it was something that I had read. It was like uh, uh, portraits and, portraits and prof- pronoun pro- courage. Yes. And I started thinking about that. And I wonder if maybe he was thinking about himself, like how much he wanted somebody to sing this to him. Yeah. 
as opposed to how much he wanted to sing it to somebody else. Yeah. And I think he mm -hmm. really wanted somebody to tell him there's no place like you. You're my everything, my world who cares what's in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that he very much desired that kind of love Mm -hmm. adoration from a partner. And that makes the difference in Mm -hmm. when he changes pronouns and not. That's true. Although he also, yeah, no, I totally think you have a great point. Um, he does sing about, you know, selecting a dress from the closet that'll make mm-hmm. you want to put your head upon my chest. But yes, the he wrote that from... Because he wanted somebody he wanted, to sing it to him. Yeah, he wanted someone to be that obsessed with him. Because we certainly know that he had his share of being obsessed with other women that way. So, I mean, yes. it certainly aided in his songwriting, that's for sure. Yeah, so he sings the whole thing in falsetto from a woman's point of view. It's almost like he was just getting the idea onto tape. Yeah. Um, And I do agree with your perspective on how he wrote it, why he wrote it. But I do think he intended, he would never have released this himself. It's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. (laughs) Because Um, this is, when he says, putting on my machine, wrong number, simple and clean. uh how matter of fact it is makes it that much dirtier and more interesting and more self-assured yep what this lacks is the spoken repeated parts from Maite's version, which I think were great. You know, she would echo her own verses by mm-hmm. speaking them like this, you know, yeah. um, which, which really worked, worked. and wasn't it, creepy. It was not creepy. It worked, you know, from the, from the, I'm obsessed with you point of view. Right. But on Prince's version, his guitar kind of sings background for him, does that little filler between verses. And I went back and listened. I was like, is that on Maite's version? Let me go back and listen to that. And they are, but because she's doing the spoken word echo, uh-huh. you don't you hear them or pay them, pay as much attention to it. And in Prince's version, it's like he sings a verse and his guitar sometimes will sing background for him, which is super um, cool. It's really, really cool. <laughs> I even questioned at one point whether this was all Prince, and I know his vocal range very well. Okay. But hearing, you know, after a verse before a chorus where he goes, ooh, Mm -hmm. he does it so high in his version. I mean, it's higher than what my take could hit on her version, you know, after multiple repeated listens. I'm convinced it's all him. Yeah, I agree. But the range is incredible. So yeah, at like a minute and 46 seconds, he does his own little spoken part, which is, ain't no place, ain't no place. Uh And it's super deep. And that almost comes out of nowhere and is surprising. It's super raw and, man, it's just, the rawness of it really works with the lyrical content. Mm-hmm. It's just so like animalistic. Yeah, it is kind of, I mean, it's, it doesn't sound like nine inch nails, but that's a kind of song I expect to hear from them. Yes. This kind of unrestrained love rage mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, I mentioned a high note that he hit hits earlier in the song when he sings, you know, take me to Marbella, London, Paris to send me all around the world. And when I'm through, I ain't seeing nothing because there ain't no place like you. And he hits it. 
so high that it it doesn't even sound like a male voice. Yeah. doesn't even sound like a Prince falsetto. It sounds higher than, than that, that to me. Mm. Yeah. And then we found a Javetta Steele version of yes. Ain't No Place Like You, yes, not, which is a very released. indifferent, very, very different interpretation. Wow. Yes. I would say if you want to hear something jarring, go play Prince's version. <laughs> we build playlists for ourselves to listen <laughs> yeah. to these things in order and try to get them in order in our minds. And hearing Prince's version roll right into this version. Oh my gosh. It's absolutely jarring. It's the perfect. completely jarring. <laughs> Yes. I was just asking myself, WTF, is this the same song? Because they're singing this basically the same lyrics. There are some differences. But if Prince's version is super frantic, super obsessed, super determined, then Javetta Steele's version is super poppy, super fun, almost praising of the subject and not as obsessed with the subject. Yeah. It's almost like a love note rather than a creeper's note. Yeah. (laughs) A consensual lover rather than a stalker. Yes. Yeah. A handwritten note rather than something made up of letters that you cut out of a newspaper and paste together. (laughs) (laughs) I had to make this comparison too. I was listening to, I had not heard Javetta Steele's version of this. Maybe ever. I'm not sure. But this version sounds like any number of songs by the brand new heavies. I don't know if you know who they are. Mm -hmm. They're an acid jazz funk group that... It's rumored that J.K. of Jamiroquai tried out for them as lead vocalists and didn't make it. And that's why he started his own band. But that's been widely disputed and debunked, essentially. But listen to any early song by the Brand New Heavies, and it has this kind of feel to it. Very poppy and happy and a little jazzy and fun. Yeah. You know, definitely harmless fun. Right. Which is so funny because when you listen to either Maite or Prince's version of this song, it is not harmless fun. It is obsession. Yeah, it's like I'm going to hurt myself because yeah. I love you so. Yeah, like I might hurt you a little bit too. That's right. You might be. <laughs> you might get some shrapnel yourself. Um, did you notice you could hear Prince's voice in the middle of this thing? Like at two minutes and twenty seconds, you can hear. A laughter, and he says something like, can I talk, or something like that, and then there's a guitar solo that's, oh. that's him. He kind of speaks a little I bit. I could tell the guitar solo was him, Yes, but I didn't, I missed the lyrics of him yeah, speaking he, right before he that. He says something to the effect of, can I talk, or can mm. my guitar talk, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought... As jarring as this was and as dated as it sounds, it does sound very much like a early 90s radio single. Yeah. Uh, I still enjoyed listening to it. I'm like, oh, this is actually, especially after you've gotten gotten yourself over the fact that this is not the same song. (laughs) It is the same song, but it's not the same song. Yeah. Totally different interpretation. Um, But it was the Lil Cash Happy Displacement remix. place like you that's fair i thought it got a little bit back to the original Mm -hmm. at the very end so there's some riffing that follows Uh the guitar and it gives it a little more of the original flavor yep you're kind of headed into maybe this isn't quite as there's something dark lurking beneath the steels yes yeah
I was I just this has probably got to be the most unique. Yeah, song it's, a, it's so this. different. It's a just amazing. Yeah. Like even I would say the two versions of that were even more different than most anything on originals. Mm-hmm. What was on originals? Like the artist typically did mostly they followed his guide even if they re-recorded everything you could really tell that they were intended to be the same song yeah whereas these are such different takes yeah it's amazing totally different all right then we have uh latino barbie doll was originally the title track for my taste album it was originally Planned, recorded in 1987 and planned for a 1989 album by Sheila E. Yeah. That was later abandoned. Yeah. She left his band after the Love Sexy tour and her fourth album that was being worked on was abandoned at that point. I also saw a rumor that there was an Apollonia version of this. Hmm. So I don't know how old this song is. I had not read that, but... um, I couldn't find either Sheila E. or Apollonia's version. And I looked... Yeah. Well, there are definitely similarities between the physical appearances of Apollonia and Sheila E and Maite and even Manuela. And Prince put that into lyrics at one point where he's saying, people say my lovers all look alike. Could it be I was looking for you? So I think he even admitted he He had had a type. He had a type. Yes. Prince talked a lot about some of his circulating unreleased tracks as being almost unfair to people listening to them because (laughs) they just weren't finished. They were his initial sketches or just trying to get an idea down before Mm -hmm. they um, eluded him. And I felt like this is one of those, that this is really drum, percussion heavy, and just vocals, and the music doesn't go in a lot of different directions. Um, It's just kind of very repetitive with vocals on top of it. Um, and many of Prince's own songs are finished in this form, like forever in my life Mm -hmm. or an unreleased song called I wonder where it's just like a beat and him singing and they're very finished in their unfinished state. Yeah. Or this feels like there was going to be more work done or something gone back and guitars added or something done to make it seem more complete. It's just not, doesn't seem like it's a com- completed piece to me. Um, no. And I think it was wise to abandon yeah. ship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I figured... cause I'm sorry. You're nappy headed peppy. Uh huh. No, no, that's like calling somebody daddy. Yeah. It's a little, no, yucky. Yeah. I, it's, I think that's, I don't like that. It's weird and gross. You and I will like say, go ask dad or daddy something, but we don't call each other mommy and daddy because that's what children call their parents. And you're, yeah, that's a little too incestuous for me. It is. I just wrote down the chorus is bleh, (laughs) B-L-E-H. You can be my nappy headed pappy and I can be Latino Barbie doll come to life. If you give me flowers, candy, clothes and an automobile, I just might be your wife. 
It's so transactional. Wow, how materialistic. It's materialistic. He's made her. She's made herself. She's made him. They're all objects. Yes. It's it's so transactional. For everyone involved. It's not even sexist one way or another. It's like... No, it's it's gross. It's it's, uh, demeaning to all parties somehow. Yeah, it really is. And then he brings the Third Reich into it. I'm like, hello. And when it comes to romance, you must have gotten your plans mixed up with Hitler's Third Reich. When it comes to romance, you must have gotten your plans mixed up with Hitler's Third Reich. Ah. Like, that took a turn, okay, from already a troubling set of lyrics. Yeah. And then let's just put Hitler in this. Sure. I think that. Prince was a pretty well-read individual, especially yes. once Paisley Park was built and he had his his world was there. We know that he read many books, and my guess is that he was reading something about world history and decided to work this in. We, and we've also talked a lot about in the past about you know our critiques of unreleased music are almost goofy. This was not meant to be heard. It wasn't released. It wasn't put on an album. Um, but that was one of the best choices made was to move. And this was going to be the title track Ugh. of the album, not just on the album. This was going to be the theme around which her debut album was going to orbit. And which seems so weird considering he really seemed by all accounts to adore her at this time. Yeah. Yeah. So to I, put maybe, this as the, I mean, did he view her that way? I don't know. Or was it just E? Because it was Sheila E that he viewed this way to begin with. All or maybe Monte Apollonia. All bring in and bring her in and sing over it. Because um, you can hear percussion right. like at three minutes and 50 seconds that I think is clearly identifiable as Sheila E. Fair. On drums, percussion. <laughs> so I think it was her version just overdubbed they were trying it out so to speak is what i'm going to that's the story i'm going to tell myself as they were like hey well we've got this that uh-huh. it was a developed idea let's go back and revisit it and thankfully somebody decided this isn't working and yeah just put it back in the vault i don't know why they couldn't figure out it wasn't working in 1987 but i don't know but thankfully Cause... it remains unreleased <laughs> All right, and the last thing we're going to talk about, 2020. Yeah. 2020. Recorded in early 1995. Yep. May have been on an early configuration of emancipation. Yep. I think, before we even get into this, it's a very short song, two minutes and mm-hmm. five seconds, basically kind of a spoken word ballad. When you've written a song called 1999, <laughs> it's almost goofy to think that you could revisit this idea of songwriting. I wrote that down in my notes, and then I thought, well, that's a little unfair because it's like saying, well, once you write a song about love, then you can't do that anymore. (laughs) But this is more of a concept of looking forward to the future and putting a title to it and a date on it, and that kind of thing has been done before. So I had not listened to this in forever, probably since it came out. Okay. Um, Or when it was first available on a bootleg, I guess is what I mean. But it's like this atmospheric... Kind of sounds like a prelude to an album. Yeah, or it very much a, felt like interlude. a sketch to me. Yeah, yeah. But it is another example of Prince envisioning this sort of uptown culture where people are blind to color and our differences are what 
bring us together, which I think is a timeless and um, very valid concept for a song or an album. Sure. It's got really pretty falling vocals from Prince. Yeah. Dance on the dance floor. And he says, taste the color, smell the fun. Yes. Which is kind of trippy and sexual. Taste the color, smell the fun. It is. Did you? I looked up the lyrics or what people think the lyrics are for because it's just this one little verse that he sings. 3,000 right. or more dance on the dance floor. The lyrics that I read online say, same aesthetics, everyone, taste the color, smell the fun. And I was like, I don't know that that's what he's saying. And what I think he's saying is synesthetics, everyone. Synesthesia is the interchangeability of the senses. It's it's actual medical condition. Oh, So following that by saying, taste the color, smell the fun, is this mix up of the senses. Which I thought was interesting songwriting and certainly like this crazy, where did you find this condition to bring into your music? But I thought that was a cool little thing. I do. I do think that it's not same aesthetics, everyone, although that makes sense too, that everyone sees each other the same. They're they're all kind of dressed similar. They all have a similar idea. Yeah. They've all got on their Star Trek unitards (laughs) since it's the future 2020. This Prince is thinking, was so you know, optimistic about the year 2020. Oh my gosh, that was uh, almost exactly 25 years ago, and here we are. It could not be more. Well, away he from says the, truth. the walls between us soon all disappear. I'm yeah. like, ironic. The walls between us soon all disappear. Yes, here we are trying to the put them up States. to divide us more. Yeah. And then it ends with, can you see this? What do you see? Peace and happy people. Peace. So no, it's a little sad. I mean, I guess you just have to look at it and say, you were so wrong, Prince. You were so wrong. <laughs> he was so optimistic. He was. He I the, appreciate He had the right that. vision. It's uh, 25 years was not long enough of a time frame. Uh, no, which probably we should have known, which I'm sure he did know. Later, he did he's too. saying things like Baltimore. Yes. He knew that, you know, mm-hmm. the gig wasn't going to be up by 2020. Nope. No. Not even close. So that's everything we're going to cover in this episode all right which is plenty that was a lot so we have some rules we have three things that we choose we choose a time capsule something that exemplifies the time at which the material we're talking about was recorded or when it was released choices up to the host making the selection Mm -hmm. we have the c not that it's bad it could be bad but it's the thing that we like the least the bottom the yes. sea, the bottom of the ocean, S-E-A, the dredges, the right. SEA, and then yeah. the mountain, uh-huh. the thing that we like the most. Right. My dumb rules. So I'll go first. I think that's fair. <laughs> the Rhythm of Your Heart remix was my time capsule. Oh, just okay. because it was the club bits were so, and the way the rap is delivered. Uh-huh. It's very, very mid 90s. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Although I picked different ones for the same reason. I went with the entire set of I Love You Tonight remixes because they have that. If I Love You Tonight? Yes. Um, They have that. What did I say? 
I Love You Tonight. Oh, If I Love You Tonight. Sorry. They have that early mid 90s sound to all yes. of them, whether it be the Lil Cash or Tweakin or the third one. Displacement. Displacement. <laughs> they were so memorable that I couldn't remember <laughs> the names. Yeah, I just thought as a group, and that was like an actual single from this album. The reason I didn't pick the Listen to the Rhythm of Your Heart remix is just the distance between the release of this album to when that finally oh. saw the light of day. Okay. I thought, well, if I'm going to pick a time capsule, then I'll pick something that was released actually during this time. Okay. So that was just my logic. That's that's fine. Yeah. All right. The C, the thing we like the least. Uh-huh. Now, normally, I don't choose anything that hasn't been released because I don't think it's fair. Well, well, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that was not officially released, though. So I think the field is open. Take your shot. Latino Barbie doll. And I'm so shocked. <laughs> here's why. Not only the transactional lyrics and all that. Yeah. But that he chose to revisit this. That he went from Sheila E. Yep. And said, hey, let's resurrect this and perhaps use it as the title track for my taste album. Yeah. I just, I don't understand where that line of thinking goes at all. How that ever made sense. That two, possibly three of his protégés worked on this song, how he kept resurrecting it. That's, it just has to be well, the low point for me. Fair enough. <clears throat> that would have been my C, but I s- went back to the, well, I have to at least give credit for either trying it twice or three times and deciding let's shelve this. So the fact that it, someone decided or convinced him, this is not worthy of being on an album, let alone being the title track of a protege album. I give it at least one point for that on a scale of one to a hundred. Um, so my C ended up being the tweak and dub okay. of if I love you tonight, I'm going to try to make this the last time I reference the cream maxi single <laughs> for a while. Okay. But there's one track on it that ends with Tony M saying, what the hell that got to do with cream? <laughs> and when this song was over, I was asking my that very same question of this song. Like, what the hell that got to do with if I love you tonight? That's totally fair. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's just so situational. It really only makes sense in a club. Yeah, but I mean, if I heard it and I, if I first of all, I'd have to go to a club. <laughs> Second of all, I'd have to hear the song at a club. But would anyone recognize it and connect it to the original version of the song in any way, shape, or form? I just don't see the connection at all. I don't see... I see how it's different from the original version, and so that's great for a remix. But um, it uses so little referential material from the song that it's supposedly a remix of that I don't think it even qualifies as. It's a different song that just samples a bunch of moaning and yes uh-huh. and oh babies from a different song okay fair so, yeah to the sea with you okay tweak and dub the mountain the thing that we like the most yeah again i'm going to break my rule of not choosing something that was officially released oh okay uh ain't no place like you my friends because it's just it's amazing it's the quintessential version yeah it is it most definitely is that was going to be my mountain also, uh-huh. but I picked made a I change. in the previous episode, I picked Maite's version as the mountain on her album, which I stick by. Uh-huh. I definitely love Prince's version. I think it's awesome to hear his lyrics on this song too. Yeah. 
but I wanted to give a chance to highlight however much you want. The alternate version that we listen to yeah. is so upbeat. It's fun to sing along to. It is like cream version 2.0 as far as it's, you know, message to having confidence in yourself and, you know, ask yourself these questions and you'll make yourself better that kind of thing and his little vocal intonations and highlights on in between verses and him screaming the last chorus yeah uh, is what did it for me and this was the song that when i was listening to our playlist of everything we were going to cover in this episode this is the one that i repeated the most it was over i'm like play that again play that again Uh no play it again yeah one more time yeah Oh, so, maybe just one more time. Based on my own revisits and spins, I got to give it to that one. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Well, good. All right. Well, tell us what we're going to talk about next time. Next up, we are going to continue our 1994-1995 era coverage on the Mountains and the Sea with the 1-800-NEW-FUNK collection of music. Cool. Super cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. We know that you have a choice when you listen to us, that we don't just come on the radio, and we really appreciate that you take the time to listen to us. And we hope that you'll join us again in a couple of weeks for more fun, awesome 90s prints. Thanks for listening. Forge audio. Dream it. Build it. Share it.